I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling and our listeners right out of the chute telling us that we have a power outage. One text message here saying power out along all along Dougald Road. Streetlights also. Be careful out there. Thanks, Charlene. And uh, just looking at Manitoba Hydro's uh, website, they're looking at the outage list. Looks like 60, nearly 6,800 people or customers, pardon me, customers affected in Winnipeg. Not sure how many people, but 6,800 uh, Manitoba Hydro customers affected. And uh, the last tweet that was sent out from Manitoba Hydro, because I remember the last time yes. that I came in and I read the list and Bron was waving from the news booth. No, 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 that's not true. Uh, the last tweet that went out from Hydro was 11 hours ago. So I'm going to go with 6,786 6, customers affected. And if you go by the map, Brett, there's a, seemed to be a big chunk uh, down Highway 75 near Morris. There is a large geographical area just east of the Red River around Highway 200 uh, on either side of Highway 205. Mm, yeah. There's a big uh, geographical area that you may be experiencing power outages in as well. This is interesting because was it last week when we had the power outages in Transcona north of Dugald Road and now... Th- this morning, these are in uh, St. Vitel, heading towards the river, south St. Boniface, etc. So it's almost a, a mirror image, uh, kind of just flip the map um, south almost, you know, just kind of flip it over. So yeah, I noticed when I was driving in today, there was at least, uh, there was a couple of blocks stretch on Academy where there, all the streetlights were out. It was weird. Um, I thought, oh, why is it so dark? Oh, yes, it's because there's one active street light, and it's just in the back lane. It's not even on the main drag. And when I got to my parents on Sunday, my dad had pulled out this old little blaster kind of style radio that uh, it still had. <laughs> it was one that I used to use, and it still had a, a, a sticker on it, a red sticker with white font that read bacon. And that was something that I had brought home from Taco Bell when I worked there when I was a teenager, when we used to serve these bacon soft tacos. For whatever reason, I stuck it on this radio. Anyway, I said, what are you doing with that old fossil? And he said, well, I needed a battery-powered radio because we were affected by the hydro, so we had you guys on to get updates. So that one of our listeners said, hey, who... If if you're the hydro's out, how are they going to listen to you on the radio? Well, you might have a battery powered. How many C cells did that thing take? About twelve? Uh, uh, not no. It, it was uh, <laughs> it wasn't the really big one, the the kind that you would put over your shoulder. It was more of a handheld thing that was small, but it was at least six. I bet oh. you it was a six battery radio. My buddy Paul Balaka had this. Uh, you know, we used to call it a ghetto blaster, right? That yeah. was that was the terminology back in the day. And I'm surprised that he could even carry this thing because I'm sure it weighed more than he did. <laughs> Should have had a wagon for it or something to pull it around. Yeah. And we would sit on the steps of the church across from Isaac Brock School and we would listen to Eddie Murphy. I guess it was Delirious was the first one, right? Mm-hmm. And we would sit and we'd listen to that, you know, in the springtime waiting for uh, someone to kick us off the off the steps of the church and send us home. But how big those things were. And it was such a dichotomy because that was the era of the Walkman, right? Yep. So you could have all the music you wanted in your pocket. Yep. Or you could uh, get four friends together and carry around a boombox. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of those big boomboxes. I think I ended up getting a, a, settling for a smaller one. Um, not the, the, the bacon one was the second generation of that. Also, just a quick observation, looking at the map at the one you were talking about on highway se- or along uh, Highway 75. Yes, sir. Uh, it kind of looks like, if you just sort of take a quick glance at it, the, the shape of the outage, it looks like a cartoon face that's, that's laughing. It's almost like, ha ha, you have no power, ha ha. I don't know. It's just, do you see it? There's kind of devil horns yeah, on it, too. Right. So if you go to hydro.mp.ca and look Fun at the outage maps. map, you'll see what we're talking about. Yeah, it's like the devil is laughing <laughs> hilariously at Highway 1, pointing up to the north and east, or laughing at Steinbach or something. Anyway, we digress. We've got hydro outages uh, in Winnipeg and off of Highway 75. If you're being affected, please let us know. Please let hydro know, uh, because 
because uh, sometimes they don't know about it and they can't fix it if they're unable to do so. Go to their website, hydro.mb.ca. They're also a great follow on Twitter for the most part, even though you mentioned, Brett, they haven't updated their Twitter feed in about 14 hours. I imagine that'll be happening a little bit uh, quicker than that. Last night, the Jets won again. Yes. In a shootout. Excited. Was that three games in a row that have gone to extra time? Four, actually. Four. So they had won uh, two overtime games in a row heading into the game Sunday against Nashville. They won in a shootout Sunday against Nashville. Then last night against Boston, it was a crazy game against the Bruins last night. The Jets were ahead at 3-1 at one point. And then at the very end of the second period, uh, Josh Morrissey took a five-minute major for cross-checking. And uh, Boston scored early in that. Paul Maurice challenged that there was offside on the play. So because it's a five-minute major, the player doesn't come back on the ice. The penalized player stays in the box. In this case, Josh Morrissey, you get the entire five-minute power play. And when you challenge incorrectly and offside, which the Jets did, now it became a, a... Five on three power play, so Boston scored again. Oh, my. But then Brandon Tanev, who had a hat trick last night for the Jets, seven goals in total, three of them last night, uh, scored shorthanded. It was a crazy game 4-4 between two teams that do not give up a ton of goals. They're both in the top four in the NHL in terms of goals against. It was a very exciting game last night for the Jets, and uh, that means they ran the table on their six-game homestand. Uh, not bad at all, collecting 12 of 12 points. That's awesome. That is very exciting. So where does that put them then in relation to the Predators? Well, the Predators also won in a shootout last night, so still five points back of, of Nashville. The chances of catching Nashville are are too slim and none, and, and you know what happened to slim. So uh, the Jets just uh, comfortably in second place, and they go on the road now for four games starting tomorrow night in Chicago. They're in Toronto on Saturday. Really looking forward to that game. Our our former colleague Matt Cardi, who now lives back in Southern Ontario, he and I have a have a friendly wager that the Jets will play longer than the Leafs will play this spring. So, I'm determined to win that bet. What did happen to Slim? He left town. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> Not a factor. I have a hard time talking over this song. <laughs> Such a great tune. Great dude. I just want to get up and jump around. You want to go running through the streets and grow a 1970s cop mustache? Yes, I do. Beastie uh, Boys thank sabotage. Thank you for reminding me of that fantastic, groundbreaking video from the Beastie Boys. Google Maps, if you hadn't already heard, Brett, has a major problem with fraud. Unscrupulous people are targeting businesses with bogus reviews, and it's costing merchants a lot of money. Global Nationals Mike Drolet explains how one Toronto duo is fighting back. It started out as a mission for Sydney Eats and Richard Truce. Map every square inch of Toronto. So they visited stores, took pictures, wrote reviews, and in the process got a half billion views and made Toronto's Google Maps the third most accurate in the world. Google has now outsourced that to everybody and the reason for that is on the altruistic side is hoping that everyone will do good. But they're not and the duo found irregularities. Hackers had allowed mortgage brokers to piggyback on the addresses of major financial institutions. Member of Parliament offices popped up where none existed, and one BCMP, who they won't name, had his page linked to an escort agency. They flagged the issue to all 338 MPs. Only three responded. Thanks for your inquiry and stuff, and I'm like, all right. It got to the point where they'd visit 11 businesses and nine would have an issue. A bad phone number, the wrong website, which matters because of the sheer reach and importance of Google Maps. So they started fixing them. And now they joke they're the internet police. The House of Itus has only been around Richmond Hill for a year and a half, but someone is clearly threatened by them because a few weeks ago it got deleted. Now it's still here, but on Google Maps, bye bye House of Itus, hello House of Falafel. 
And as delicious as that sounds, Itus Rasuli says all he knows is hair. Do you make a good falafel? Um, actually, I am pescatarian. Sydney and Richard fixed his listing, but this week he was attacked again with single-star reviews from people who he said never used his services. If I find out who did it, it probably wouldn't be good. <laughs> I would imagine it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be good. Competitors, I think, would be your number one. Probably some another, another salon for sure that's probably ghosting them or just trying to hijack his listing so they could take his clients and bring them to their location. Good afternoon. It's dirty business. Google will only say it uses automated systems to detect for spam and fraud. Clearly, much is falling through the cracks and landing in the laps of Toronto's self-proclaimed internet police. Mike Trillet, Global News, Toronto. You've worked in restaurants before. Greg, have you ever seen that kind of unscrupulous, obviously not this particular kind, but have you ever seen that sort of ruthlessness? Skullduggery, espionage? No. I mean, uh, typically in the restaurant world, there's a lot of camaraderie mm-hmm. amongst uh, places that uh, you would normally imagine as extreme competition, right? And yeah, this is this is a little bothersome. Uh, we're really learning about the dark side of the internet in the last few weeks, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Another headline here. What does Google know about you? Here's how to find out. That's the headline at globalnews.ca if you want to read more of that or at cjob.com. We'll just read you the first part. Much like Facebook, Google has probably amassed a vast storehouse of data on you. How vast? I downloaded my files from the platform just now, and it gives you it tells you how to do it. And they weighed in at over 20 gigabytes, 20 billion bytes. That's equivalent to a 12 million page text file. The worst thing that happened to me when I was working in the restaurant business was to send one of our newbies mm-hmm. to Mr. Lube and ask them for a tub of elbow grease. <laughs> That's about as sinister as it got when I was in the restaurant business back in the day. So, Greg, uh, I know that you 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 told me you shared some news with me this morning, and I, I have to offer you some condolences, sir. I uh, I'm sorry to hear that uh, someone in your life has uh, has passed. Well, you know, for the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been talking about the evils of Facebook and evils of social media and the way information has been turned against us potentially and how our information has been stolen. Uh, But I have to tell you, one of the gifts of Facebook for me is reconnecting with people that I hadn't seen in a long time. And uh, Darren Turner was one of those individuals I played football with back in the mid and uh, late 1980s. And... Something that I didn't know about Darren's life currently was that he dealt with kidney disease and he did dialysis on a daily basis. And I reached out to Darren. Darren was a very loyal listener to this show. He texted us on a regular basis and was someone that was very proud of his family. And I hate to refer to Darren in the past tense because he lost his battle with kidney disease yesterday. And so I want to send my condolences, my thoughts out to his family, all of his friends, people who knew Darren, uh, knew how much he loved his kids, how much he loved his wife, was fiercely proud of them. And uh, I may not be able to get this through this without reading, so if you'll forgive me for reading something I posted on, uh, on Facebook yesterday, uh, Brett, I, I'd like to do that. Today, many of us lost a former... Always teammate, friend, brother, father, and inspiration. Please consider or reconsider registering to donate your organs. Darren Turner passed away today, yesterday, with kidney disease. His daily ritual of dialysis prolonged his life. A new kidney may have saved it. He waited five years for a kidney that wouldn't arrive. DT, your strength inspired me. We were due to visit on air to share your courageous battle, encourage people to get on a donor's list. I will always regret regret that we weren't able to make it all happen. Darren was going to join us next week or the week after to talk about his battle, to bring awareness. He said, if it's too late for me, I want at least to have some sort of impact uh, on others and to have them consider donating their organs The last time I saw Darren, it was in the late 1980s, but when you win a football championship together, you're brothers forever. Condolences to his family, of which he was immensely proud, to all our common friends. I'm sorry we didn't get around to that interview. The battle to educate Manitobans on the value of organ donation 
will continue for me in your honor, Darren. And so I will compel you. I'll ask you to reconsider that conversation. If you've not had it with your friends, if you've not had it with your family, expressed your intentions, please do so. Please think about it for Darren and others who are waiting for liver, heart, other tissue and organ transplants. It's a gift that is beyond powerful. I have two friends, two people in my life that have received heart transplants and to know how that has changed their lives. Uh, you cannot overstate how powerful a gift this is. Sign up for life.ca. I went and I did it. I'd always had my organ card signed. Uh, my family knows my intentions, but now it's on the website, Brett. It's signupforlife.ca. All I needed to have in front of me was my Manitoba health card and to enter a little bit of information. And I'm now on the registry. Darren Turner. He... Was he off? I think he was on the radio a few times with Kevin Bergen when Kevin would fill in for Tom Milroy on Saturday mornings. Yeah, Kevin. Is that uh, is that correct? Yeah, Kevin and <clears throat> Kevin and Darren were very close. They were they were like brothers. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing that uh, that story. It's a, it is a powerful reminder to sign up for life. I've, I'm on the website right now, signupforlife.ca, and I will be going through that process as we go through this morning. Thank you again, Greg, and uh, my condolences uh, to you and to anyone uh, who is close to Mr. Turner. Well, this could be music to many a harried employee's ears. There's a growing movement to bring in rights so that employees cannot be forced to keep on top of their electronic messages after work hours. I know they've implemented legislation in France to limit the amount of time that individuals are obligated to stay in touch with work, whether they're physically there or tethered electronically. Last week, a New York councilman proposed making it illegal to force employees to access, quote, work-related electronic muni- communications, close quote, from home. Quebec Solidaire's Gabriel Nadeau-Dubois also tabled a private member's bill last week that aims to ensure that employee rest periods are respected. Today, we are having coffee talking about the right to disconnect. Should employees be not expected to check their work emails at home, or is that just... A part of the job. Brett McGarry, Shanalee Vidal, Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, the omnipresent behind the glass, Jerry. Uh, Brett, why don't we start with you? Because this is something that's absolutely part of our job. Being disconnected isn't really an option in our line of work. Yeah, so that's something that I do actually wrestle with. And there are times where I admit I go home, I don't crack my email open until the next day because I still have a phone. I have a phone number. If you really need to get a hold of me, you can pick up the phone and you can call me. That's that's sort of how I feel like if it's an emergency situation and you absolutely need to speak to me, call me. Because there are times where I, I miss emails or someone will say, well, didn't you get my email? No, I didn't. I put in 10 hours at work today, which is, I know, not as long as Kelly Moore, who is the hardest working man in Winnipeg radio, but... There are times where I put in a lot of hours. I work six days a week. So when I'm done, sometimes I'm done. Kelly Moore? I agree wholeheartedly with Brett. That's the message I always give to the uh, the people working the weekends if they need to get in touch with me. I do not have my phone attached to me 24-7, nor do I want that. And so if there's an emergency, do it the old-fashioned way and let's have a conversation. Now, having said that, uh, as you preface, Greg, in our business, uh, you know, there's a lot of communication that goes on. Uh, you know, we have to always stay in touch with Shanna Lee if we're booking certain guests for the morning show the day before and that type of thing. So uh, the email, I, I don't ever expect to get a response, but just it's a template so that if you check it, oh, good, this, is, this segment is done so that we're not double booking and that type of thing. But uh, for someone who is working in a job, where it is not absolutely essential, uh, you know, for the how the how the work is going to be executed to to see their email till the next morning. Yeah, I like this idea. I think, I, think, def- I think it's gone a little too far. Okay, so how do we define essential, and is it going to be incumbent upon well, if, employers if, to define essential? Yeah. And if you're defined as essential, is there going to have to be a modification to the way people are compensated for their time outside of? You know, the eight hours that they're in a building already, Shanna Lee. 
Well, that's the thing, right? You go home, you're done your eight hours. You're not getting paid for that time off. That's time for your family. That's time for you to recharge. That's time for you to de-stress so you can go back to work, calm, and and have that proper work-life balance. So, But in this business, I know we definitely have an expectation that, oh, you're supposed to be working 24-7. You're expected to be on top of things all the time. You're expected to be checking your email all the time. I know, um, you know, I'm, I'm done at noon. Uh, before I go home, I often I would send out, I might send out a lot of emails, trying to book guests for the next day. So I, I have to a lot of times check my check my email at home. But then a lot of times, uh, sometimes I'm asleep by 5.30 because, mm. you know, I'm tired. I'm stressed out and 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 I need to make more my personal life more of a priority. And and I'm finding, some, you know, people are like, oh, didn't you check my email? And there's mm. been like, you know, five different uh, five different people on this thread, and they they were like wondering where you are. How come how come you're not checking your email? It's it's so that I can recharge and have a good day at work tomorrow, so I can I can be functional, right? Jeff, I see you uh, sitting back yeah. calmly, nice and relaxed. Is that the uh, yeah, approach well, I, you take? Yeah, I agree with all you guys. It's, it's the same thing. I, I do check mine quite a off several times throughout the day, and that's just a mitigating thing so I don't come in in the morning and have a hundred emails to wade through because, well, frankly, 80 of those 100 are just garbage that can be deleted without being read anyways. <laughs> I think sometimes I think sometimes that's the approach, though, right? If it says Brett McGarry from Brett McGarry, delete. Delete. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't blocked that guy yet? No. I don't know how. I'll, sh- I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> I, I thought it was when you saw the really important icon. Oh, the exclamation <laughs> point? Yeah. Delete. Delete. <laughs> You know, this whole question of we've got it so twisted in our minds that, well, it's good for me if I stay on top of this because it sets me up better for the next day. We've been brainwashed into this whole idea that if you just work a little bit extra hard on Tuesday, you won't have to work so hard on Wednesday. And uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of twisted priorities for a lot of people to the point where I know I was on one holiday once where I was on a phone call for an hour at a hotel in downtown Minneapolis, and one of my kids slipped out of the hotel room when I was on the phone with work in the middle of my first two-week holiday in probably a decade to that point. So we've really kind of got it twisted around sometimes. And I don't like the whole nanny state thing, but the whole idea that maybe we need somebody looking out for us and setting these parameters, maybe not a bad thing. Yeah, I, I think if there are employers or there are companies that are taking advantage of their employees uh, through email connection, then I think yeah. this is a good thing. But, you know, if if we're trying to book a guest and that guest finally gets back to us at 6.30 or 7 o'clock at night and says, yeah, I can come on uh, the show with you, but then here's nothing. Well, at 4 o'clock in the morning, they're not going to be up to get our message. Correct. So now we don't know. So that's where uh, usually if I get home, and it's usually a 45-minute to an hour drive to get home, I'll check my email when I first get home. Then I'll also check my email before I go to bed. And like Chantilly, it's usually 7 to 7.30 when I'm hitting the sack. Mm-hmm. And then, then after that, you know, all bets are off. I, I kind of chuckle when I see an email at 10 o'clock. Hey, what do you think about this? <laughs> I'll, let you know in, I'll let you know in six hours. <laughs> (laughs) I'll phone you at 3 o'clock tomorrow morning and we'll discuss it. Oh, I love when I get text messages at 10.30 at night. And then the first thing I'll do at uh, 2.45 is text that person back (laughs) and hope to God that it dings like it did for me at 10.05. You can text us at 204-780-6868. Let us know what you think. Brett at cjob.com. GMAC at cjob.com. I'm Greg. He's Brett. And we've been talking about Facebook, we've been talking about Google, all sorts of different brands this morning that have an influence in our life. And Ipsos has unveiled its ranking of the most influential brands in Canada this year. And Google and Facebook are at the top of the list with Tim Hortons falling out of the top 10. Steve Levy is Chief Operating Officer for Ipsos Canada. He joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Mr. Levy, good morning to you, sir. And good morning to you. So we just had a conversation about how Google is tracking all kinds of data about you. Do you think that after that kind of news comes out that maybe next year Google will not be at the top of this list? Well, you know, I'm not in the prediction business, but um, if I had to point the finger, I'd probably suggest that Google will either be at the top or near the top. 
Yeah, because uh, does the the survey does it determine whether or not this influences pog- positive or negative? Well, you know, influence as we define it has. Uh, 11 different characteristics. So it's not simple. It's pretty broad-based, and it's uh, issues like being fundamental in people's lives, encouraging people to make better decisions, uh, identifying with people, being relevant, having an emotional relationship, and in some cases, changing the consumer's lexicon, and, and Google's most certainly done that. So just looking at this year's list, we have things like Google and Facebook at the top of the list. Uh, Now, marked beside Google, there's like a dash or a hyphen. And then beside Apple, there's a plus one. What does that mean? Well, it means that the dash reflects the fact that Google's in the same position that it was last year. And indeed, Google has been the most influential brand in Canada for six of the seven years that we've run the study. Uh, The plus one that you see for Apple reflects the fact that it was in the fourth position last year, and it's moved up one this year. Yeah, this entire list is a gigantic indication of the role technology uh, plays in our lives. Google, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, YouTube, and it's not until we get to Walmart at number six, seven, eight, seven, eight, nine, ten, seven, Walmart that we get into a bricks and mortar operation. Uh, Visa, of course, has been a huge part of uh, the lexicon and and our daily lives for decades now. Netflix is new to the top ten at number nine as is is Samsung, and that's an interesting one uh, in my mind, because when you look at this, Steve, Samsung, we were just mentioning uh, positive or negative for probably a solid 15 to 18 months, all the news about Samsung was negative. Well, it's interesting you'd say that. I mean, the fact of the matter is that brands sometimes face extraordinary challenges. You know, we saw this with Toyota back a few years with the brake problem. We saw it most certainly with uh, Loyalty One last year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we've, and this year, of course, uh, we've seen it with Tim Hortons. And it, the Samsung circumstance was one where, you know, clearly they had a product problem. And clearly, rightly or wrongly, the media and the public panned the brand. My suggestion would be perhaps they were a little harsh. Uh, But Samsung did pretty much everything that they could or should do to get out of what you might think of as the proverbial penalty box. Uh, They they apologized. They put in place new policies. uh, And they launched a kick-ass new brand uh, in in more recent times. So the fact that they've moved back into the top ten after a year in what I said was the proverbial uh, penalty box doesn't surprise me. I mean, challenged brands do bounce back. We've seen it in the past. Well, and just a quick observation about Samsung as well. I am an Android user. Uh, my first couple of phones were Samsungs. I still use Android, but my phone is not a Samsung. But but they're so big and ubiquitous that people have come to associate Android with Samsung itself. They just think, oh, that's a Samsung, right? Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I think it's yeah, it's like facial tissue and Kleenex, right? That's kind of where you want to get. Steve, right, is where your brand name becomes the product itself. And uh, for some of these uh, brands, uh, it's kind of happened, right? Uh, The whole idea of buying online is uh, almost an Amazon thing. So uh, are there some brands, we mentioned that Tim Hortons fell out of the top 10. Are there some brands that uh, we should be looking at below the top 10 uh, that are growing in, in influence? And even though they didn't make it to the top 10 are ones that we should be keeping an eye on, so to speak? Yeah, I think there are some uh, what we might refer to as fast-moving brands. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be in the top 10 in the near future, but that they are moving fast. So brands like Uber, for example, brands like TripAdvisor, for example, uh, they're brands that have moved up pretty quickly in the past year, 20 or 30 spots. They're not going to be in the top 10 in the near future, but, but you know, it's worth keeping an eye on them for sure. All right, Steve Levy, we know we got to let you go, so thank you so much for joining us. Steve Levy is Chief Operating Officer for Ipsos Canada, and they have released their seventh annual Top 10 Most Influential Brands in Canada. And with Netflix entering the Top 10, uh, new to the Top 10, they're now in the ninth position. That's uh, That one, to me, I think is kind of a, kind of a no-brainer. This is a company that uh, the people, so many people watch Netflix and I think so many people just that's their only source of television and they think all the best television is on Netflix oh it's on Netflix it must be good which as a couch potato makes me kind of sad (laughs) because there is 
There is a lot of good TV on sure. Netflix, but just because it's on Netflix doesn't mean it's the best thing that's out there. Honestly, most of the shows on Netflix that I watch are okay to fairly good. Yeah, the, the, the brand itself becomes a little bit of an endorsement, right? Yeah. If, if it's carried there, if it's found there, then then it's then it's a good thing. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, and good for them they, to achieve that kind of status. It's like when Apple uh, achieved such dominance because its marketing was genius and Netflix has managed to do what they've done very much largely to their marketing. And so their good stuff, for them. And then when it comes to Apple, their stuff just always works for me anyway. Yeah. As mad as I can be at them in the last little while, their stuff just always, always works. One, two, three. Right now it is time for Three Things with Shanalee Vidal. Today it's three things that have to do with electronic communication. Good morning, Shanalee. Good morning, Prep. Good morning, Greg. <laughs> So it has been a very eye-opening couple of weeks when it comes to privacy and social media. And of course, Facebook has been at the center of that data mining scandal. And a lot, a lot of us are rethinking just how much we share with others online. So now the social media company says in a statement on its website that they are unveiling new settings to make to uh, more securely manage your data. And those uh, changes include... Making data, uh, making the data settings and tools easier to find because it's actually pretty hard to find those privacy settings. You have to really you search have, you for do. them. You have to know what you're looking for because mm -hmm. there's like this tiny little arrow and, you know, you have to pull it down. And that's not a mistake. That was never a mistake in how they designed it, right? They didn't really want you to find them. They wanted you to use the default settings. No, and you have to, and it's something that you have to check regularly. So they're going to make those controls easier to find. Uh, there will be a new privacy shortcuts menu. Uh, you can also control the ads you see, control Ooh. your personal information, con uh, control uh, what, uh, you can manage your posts and manage who sees your profile information. That's a very important one for for us you know when you're logging into one of those websites via facebook maybe just don't do that yeah i you think know? i think a lot of us are going to stop doing that i i i i for one i'm thinking oh maybe maybe i I, I shouldn't be doing that. Maybe I should have a different password for every account. Yeah, it, it feels more convenient at the time. And as one of our texters pointed out, th th we're warned about all this. If you go through letter by letter, line by line, the agreements that you click, I agree to all the terms and conditions. We've agreed to all this somewhere along the line. But because the agreements are so onerous and there are so many words and so many descriptors, we have just come like click I agree on just about everything, and I and this is what we need to really it, it, rethink. Exactly, because you know what I agree. You can't have you can't have the candy. That's you can't right. go into the site. And speaking of of those, I agree. Candy, I like. <laughs> Facebook is actually going to be retooling their those terms. So look for that in the coming weeks. Well, it's about time that they're doing this, right? Uh, I've noticed that a lot of people on my Facebook feed, you can't share their posts. And so that's something that's changed over the last little while where you could automatically share any post. Now that has to sort of be turned on mm -hmm. or off. And quite often when they're making a statement or sharing something about uh, social or something that you would like other friends to know about, you have to actually ask them, hey, can you make this shareable? And that's a change that I've noticed uh, a lot of people taking advantage of. Exactly. So number two has to do with uh, not so much going on the internet, but uh, you got to have your your phone or your tablet charged up, right? You need juice. You need juice. Well, the way you get juice might could cause a fire. Oh boy. Yeah. Health Canada is recalling over 1.5 million uncertified US, USB chargers that were found to pose a risk of electrical shock and possible fires. So the health agencies are calling third-party uh, third uh, devices, and they're sold under various manufacturing names. Uh, some of them were found right here in Winnipeg at, at a few dollar stores. Now, the, the key is, if you're not sure, maybe if you went to a dollar store and you bought one of these, uh, it could be either a charger or the plug-in that right. you stick in, you know, that you plug into the, the wall socket. 
the adapter. Uh, could it be either be one of those things? But you want to take a, a good look at it, make and look for if there's a symbol on it, a spe- uh, like a safety symbol, and that means it's been it's been verified. So that means it should be safe. And you can check out those uh, verification stamps on our website at globalnews.ca. You can and then you can compare it with yours. I actually did that because I do have I, I have tons of chargers. Stuff. Yeah, I, I have, and I went and I checked mine, and okay, I was safe. Did it had the safety code, but I never thought about that. So I'm going to definitely be thinking twice about that. So it's another kind of safety when it comes to using our electronic devices. This one's a little more physical. Uh, what about the third thing? The third thing, something we talked about earlier this morning when we were having coffee talking, has to do with whether employees should be obligated to check work emails on their personal time. So last week, a New York councilman proposed making it illegal to force employees to access, and I quote, work-related electronic communications from home. And Quebec Solidaire's Gabriel Nadeau-Dubois also tabled a private member's bill last week that aims to ensure that employees' rest periods are respected. So the conversation is very timely, with a lot of people second-guessing how much they utilize social media and the internet in general. Maybe it's making us realize, well, you know what, we're just stuck to our phones and we're relying too much on these devices. And so, uh, plus we have that recall on the phone chargers and, you know, this data mining scandal and Google keeping track of our history. Yeah, maybe uh, this is the eye opener, the kick in the teeth, the kick in the rear end. All of us needed to uh, think about how much we depend and whether or not we need to depend on the physical devices and the applications and the social media we're running as well. Exactly. So I think it's a good time maybe to unplug for a while and and reconnect with some people face to face. Maybe read a a, a physical book, you know, you you know, those things, the pages and everything. (laughs) A book? A book? How dare you? That's blasphemous. You know, like Brett has a physical Right here in the studio, actually. I do have a book, actually, indeed. It's for our nine o'clock guest, Brahms the Poet. His book, One Feast, it's a compilation of his poetry. You can follow him on social media at Brahms the Poet. We'll speak to him at 9.05. Shen Lee Vidal. Three things. Every day after the 8 o'clock news on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, Shen Lee. It's Sage Advice. Unplug. Wednesday morning. The music is uh, entrancing me. <laughs> there we go. I'm out of my trance now. <laughs> Brett and Greg with you. Hope you're having a fantastic. Uh, it's kind of like a Thursday for a lot of people with Good Friday coming up. Not for Jerry, though. Not behind the glass, Jerry. I know. I know. Jerry, close your ears. You're not listening anyway. I know. Um, Thursday night. Used to be the busiest bar night of the year. I don't Correct. know if, if it still is. I don't know if there are even any nightclubs left in Winnipeg. Well, there's four for one Main, for example, and I guess King's Head kind of lumps it. Say you could lump that into it's sort of a jack of all trades in that respect, right? And of course, the Palomino in there. And the, I was kind of teasing. It's just uh, funny how things have changed over the years. So, uh, like a Friday for a lot of people tomorrow. And uh, if it's not uh, for you, uh, please forgive us for treating it that way. Uh, one of the many things uh, I. Re- about springtime is getting outside again and uh, maybe even better is the fact that I get kick my kick my hit kids out of the house yeah <laughs> I can have a house to myself a little bit more be it walks jogs bike rides or just playing basketball in the driveway but if you've been hibernating indoors all winter it's important to make sure you're not overextending yourself to talk about getting yourself ready for outdoor exercise safely we're joined live on 680 CJOB by fitness expert Catherine McKenzie of surefire fitness Hey, Catherine. Good morning, everybody. So I understand you had a bit of a wipeout. (laughs) I know, getting ready for spring. I don't have uh, grippy shoes on and uh, bit it in the parking lot. What happened? Full Fred Flintstone banana peel. Getting out of your (laughs) automobile. Stepped out of my car. All of a sudden, I'm looking up at the sky. But thankfully, I'm agile enough that I managed to avoid any disaster. (laughs) Well, a lot of people on highways and uh, roads this morning are going to be dealing with that, right? The the temperature is changing. And so uh, even though we think it's time to get get out and maybe start running, get our bikes out. I know I always consider the fact that there's a lot of gravel out on the road and sand, right, from uh, sanding operations throughout the winter. What are some of the other things we need to keep in mind when we're shifting from our indoor to maybe what we'd like to be our outdoor routine? Yeah, there is a bit of a transition period for sure. And sometimes people think that they've been training indoors and they just want to get outside, which is great. But uh, the training inside on a treadmill or on a bike is definitely different, even just biomechanically. So even if you're logging heavy miles on a treadmill per se and you want to get outside and train for that marathon or long distance race that you 
running outdoors in the summer, that's great, but it does take time for your body to adjust. The ground is uneven. There might be icy patches. Uh, there might be inclines or declines that you're not aware of or that you're not uh, used to from being on a treadmill and same thing on a bike. So just being aware of that and maybe adjusting your mileage accordingly. What if the, the bulk of the exercise that you might get in a given year is outdoors? So you've been sedentary for a few months and then, oh, it's uh, there's no snow on the ground. I'm just going to start running again or whatever it is you might do outside. Yeah. Is that, uh, should you be cautious as to how quickly you go back into it? Of course, just like with starting any activity, whether it's inside or outside, you always want to be mindful of how you're feeling and adjust according to your level. Um, and your body will tell you if you're overdoing it just with kind of aches and pains and stuff, just making sure that you're being mindful of that. People do tend to get pretty enthusiastic this time of year. And that's a good thing because being outside uh, has been shown to reduce anxiety and stress, especially when you're out in nature. They did a study, uh, I think it was down at Stanford, and it was the difference between running or walking in a parkway surrounded by nature compared to in the city. And there was even benefit to being kind of in that natural setting in terms of reducing anxiety and stress. So trying to connect with the trees, so to speak. Yeah, you know what? And Jackie made a great point the other day. She's like, I want us to get a provincial park pass. We're like nine kilometers from Birds Hill Park, right? And there's lots of places to walk in the city, but there's something different. Yeah. Even just getting in the car, and it sounds counterintuitive, but just driving that nine, 10 kilometers, going to the park and just walking for two or three hours. And when you're in the woods, you don't even notice that yeah. you're, you're walking that distance. You're just taking it in. And that leads me to the question about vitamin D. Yeah. My, my my sister deals with MS and there are some experts that say there might be a, a correlation between vitamin D and, and MS, but we know that vitamin D is critical to overall health. Of course. And we have a hard time getting enough vitamin D here in the winter months just because their days are shorter and the just the angle of the sun, we don't quite get as much of it. So once it starts to get warmer, really trying to get outside and relishing that time in the sunshine for sure. What's a good way to motivate yourself if you, you're trying to... Get back to working out outdoors. Is there something that you can do to give you that prop? Yeah, if you're struggling or if you're not sure what to do, I always recommend trying something new. So even just registering, there's cities so full and all over Manitoba of activities and things you can do, a canoe race, any type of walk or run. There's races in the mud and obstacle courses. They're all over the place. You can sign up as a team or with a group or for a charity. And if you sign up for something like that, that sometimes gives you the motivation, even if it's you know two or three months away, to start training for it. So you'd be going out for walks or runs or bike rides or whatever it is to get yourself ready for that event. Surefirefitness.ca is the website. Catherine McKenzie, her name, fitness expert. She joins us all the time. And I think she's going to go see our friends down the hall at Peggy at 99.1. You got it. I am super excited to speak to our next guest. And here's why. A couple of months ago, I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed and I see a post that's just text. And the words read, and I can't actually repeat them for broadcast, but it was a short post that simply read, don't you bleeping dare quit now. Now, I've shared with you before that I have anxiety issues. Greg and I have both been pretty honest about that stuff. I've got insecurities, maybe some depression issues. I don't really know yet. I I do know I should talk to somebody, and I'm in the process of figuring that out. But in the moment that I read that post, I wasn't feeling sad. I wasn't feeling anxious. I was just sitting at home. But it just hit me like a, like a truck really hard because there are times where I feel like quitting. There are times where I just don't want to come to work. I don't want to get out of bed. I just don't want to do it anymore. Maybe the words hit me because they were so blunt. But I think they really hit me because I knew the source of the words. It was an old friend of mine, an old classmate of mine from Red River College back in 2003, 2004. You can follow him on social media under Brahms the Poet. His poetry has been compiled into a book called Feast, book one, which you can purchase at McNally Robinson like I did yesterday. The launch event is tomorrow night at 7 p.m. He joins us now in studio Brahms, good morning to you, sir. Welcome. So you want me to talk, right? So you're going to start me off by crying is what you're going to do. Because um, first of all, me and you, we got, we got history. We go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smash. Yeah. Smash and Brahms was a morning show at uh, 92.9 Kick FM at Red River College. Yeah, we did our thing back then, didn't we? Yeah. Um, we did a lot of things actually back then. <laughs> um but I've known you for a long time, man, and it's uh, it's always been it's always been real with you. And you know what what we had as friendship uh, has has 
stood the test of time, right? Mm. Um, so to hear you say what you just said and that that you know impacted you the way it did, um, I was going through some stuff, you know, um, at the time when I actually posted that, and and still residual things, you know. There's there's sort of ties to everything that you go through in life, right? Nothing's a clean break. Nothing's you know nice and tidy. You know, uh, I, I think anybody who lives in that world is you know probably trying to sell you something, you know. Uh, so when I had originally posted, you know, that post in particular and, uh, and most of the things that I write about, it's, uh, it's coming from that kind of place. It's coming from a place that if we can't open up, especially as, as men, you know, there's a, there's a problem with that. I think there's a lot of uh, guys that don't feel like they can actually, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, open up and, and let it out, you know, cause we're told to be like, you know, tough, or, you know, rough around the edges. We got to suck it up, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, uh, I said, to heck with all that, you know, and I basically said I was in a place in my life where things weren't going the way that, that I wanted them to, you know, I'll leave it at that. You know, I can go into great detail and we could talk about this after boys because we only have a certain amount of time here, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, they weren't going well. So I figured like I either come out with things and just let it out and say what's ever in my heart and on my head or I combust. And I think the first option is the best of those two. I'm not good at math, but, uh, you know, um, I don't think it takes an Einstein to, to figure that one out. Let it out. Talk to your friends. You know, you'll find out soon enough that uh, we all share things that are pretty, uh, it's common, you know. Uh, Brett and I both call this instrument in front of us the vacuum of honesty. Mm -hmm. we, we, we try to communicate as honestly as we can when we're on the air. Sometimes it's too honest for some people. Uh, we admit our shortcomings. We, we share some things that maybe in retrospect, if we could go back in time, we might press edit or, <laughs> or the dump button, yeah. right? <laughs> but, but it's genuinely who we are. Yeah. And it is, I think, one of the, one of the fringe benefits of, of being in this seat is it is therapeutic. And communication, I think we're learning big time as men that the best therapy sometimes is just our own words heard and or spoken. Absolutely. Um, and, and this is a new sort of thing, even though it's old, what's, you know, old is new again type thing, right? Like I, I talked about how we used to do it, but um, this coming on here to talk about poetry um, is new. Uh, you know, I was in bands and stuff before I've directed things, I've acted and, you know, I've talked about those things. So I got sharp at talking about those things. But the ironic thing is the poetry that I write is pure, uncut, unedited, just basically bleeding on paper, you know. So to talk about that on the radio with you guys is a new thing. Mm -hmm. So to hear you say that these microphones are a vacuum of honesty is something that I'm just tuning into. But I have no problem looking you guys in the eyes right now and telling you that everything I'm saying right now is unrehearsed, completely raw, and that's the way I want to live. And that's the way I think it's best we all live, because then you know who you're dealing with on the other side of the conversation. You know, you can say, OK, cool. You gave it to me like that. Hey, you saw I wasn't surprised when you told me you were depressed, when you told me you felt low. I wasn't surprised by that. You know, you're a person Everybody on the other end of that internet, when I'm talking to them, you know, when I'm discussing things in the inbox messages that, you know, from my readers and stuff like that, they're all souls. They're all real people. I think there's a tendency for us to look at people on the other side of a computer screen and say, ah, uh, you know, they're, that's not, that's not authentic or that's not truth. Well, in some cases you're right, but in some cases people pour everything out and put everything out on the table. This morning I mentioned, I'll make this real quick, mm -hmm. this morning uh, started the show um, and at, at some point, I don't even remember when it was, I guess it was about 6.35, mentioned that, the fact that someone uh, in, important to a lot of people in my circle and someone who'd become important in my life again passed away yesterday. And his message, his struggle is now become my message and to a certain extent my struggle to convince people that they need to reconsider donating their organs when they pass away. Something that I think should be so instinctual, not everybody sees it that way. Yeah. So 
when we talk about the the evils of of social media and yeah. that digital connection, uh, it's easy to to say I'm getting out of it, I'm quitting, I'm yeah. out. But what we lose is that immediate connection, that ability to relate to one another on a level that we haven't been really been able to do ever before in human history. Like the hieroglyphics and the painting on yeah. the cave walls, those were great, <laughs> but it could be decades or years before people saw those and interpreted them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's not, you know, I mean. First of all, condolences on the loss. Um, obviously, pretty fresh, right? So you're probably processing all these things. All good. Um, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the thing is, you're talking about you know the 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 chance to run away, to disengage, to turn off social media, and to to run away from all the things that are scary, right? But I look at it as an opportunity, right? Um, I was scrolling down my feed and I was seeing so many negative things all the time. And, and there's so many negative thoughts in my head because what happens is, especially in the media, you're inundated with messages all day long, right? Constantly, constant updates about the news, things happening around the world. Oh, this happened and then this happened. I didn't want, like, I'm not on a rescue mission, man, and I don't got all the answers. But I'll tell you one thing. I wanted to be a little bit of, of a... Of a, of a an oasis in this like, you know, kind of, it, it's sad a lot of times. So I thought, you know what, instead of focusing on all the bad things, maybe if I focus on some of the good things sometimes, and not all my writing is about the, the happy go lucky, you know, I uh, mean, I, I got all sorts of analogies that I could go into, <laughs> but I know I'm on the radio, so I'm going to edit myself. Um, Better for podcast. Yeah, Brett's already like, oh, oh Brahms, please don't go there. Um, <laughs> But some of my stuff isn't, uh, you know, necessarily, you know, happy. Um, but that's life too. But also too, sometimes if you focus on some of the positive things that you've got going for yourself, um, eventually that kind of goes full time for you. And I'm noticing it happening to me right now. I'm coming out of a of a really dark, dark place that that lasted for years. And as a result of that, I've got a book. Like I actually published a book. That's a beacon of light for me. Every day I see it on my table and I'm like, holy man, that's an actual thing, you know? And you can buy it at McNally Robinson. The launch event is tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Our studio guest is Brahms the Poet. He is an old friend of mine, an old classmate of mine from Red River College, and he has published a book called Feast Book One. You can follow him on social media, Brahms the Poet. I follow him on Instagram, Brahms.the.poet. He has 51,000 followers there. And his poetry has actually been really helpful to me and the issues that I deal with. So, Brahms, I wanted to ask you, uh, because you've been super open and honest about the, your issues, do people come to you and share their stories and, and how your poetry helps them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, that's what I find more than anything, you know. Um, I was telling you guys during the break about sort of the background of things, and I know we're on time constraints right now, so I'll, I'll give you the Coles notes. Uh, but basically, what started out as a catharsis for me when I was going through a real dark time in my life turned into something way, way bigger than I actually imagined it ever would. You know, I just wanted to kind of be open and honest about things and put it on paper or put it on the Internet. Uh, and, and from there it's, uh, I, w I got a message from a girl in, in Germany, Germany. Um, wow. Yeah. Germany. Uh, I got a message from a kid in, in the U S, uh, respectively one, one was cutting themselves. Uh, the other one was contemplating suicide. And, uh, in both cases, they said that the writing that I post on a daily basis, cause you know, I'm, I'm fairly, you know, on, on the, the ball with it. I, I post every day that they said that they could, that was the one thing they could rely on. You know, the one thing that they could read every day, that would be a constant in their lives. That would, you know, first thing in the morning, cause I usually post first thing in the morning and I post in the evening before bed. So it gives somebody something to think about before they hit the sheets and something to think about when they first open their eyes in the morning. So they were telling me that the writing that I was coming up with, the stuff that I was like letting out myself and sharing and giving permission to myself to open up with and get, get out of my way, you know, was allowing them to do the same thing. Then that just sort of multiplied. It, it's a, it's a common thing now where I hear a lot of these things, you know, and, and it's a strange place to be because like I said, uh, guys, I don't know the answers here, you know what I mean? But I do know that by allowing ourselves to be who we are, it gives people the opportunity to do the same thing. You can see Brahms the Poet tomorrow for the book launch at McNally Robinson at Grant Park. 
at 7 p.m. And if you just go to the store like I did yesterday, when you walk in the main entrance from outside, there's a display almost right as you walk in with the book Feast uh, with some rather, I, I love the artwork on the front. It's dark, but it's really cool. It's I love this kind of stuff. Maybe that's why I play into it because it is super dark and different. And it's it, a beautiful it's helpful. book. It's a yeah. beautiful book. It's really us. nice. Uh, congratulations, man. I'm so proud of you for doing this and good for all the, the stuff you're bringing to the world to people who need your help. Brahms the Poet on social media. It's the time of year when many of us simply cannot resist a certain sweet treat. The Girl Guide cookies are available now, so we thought we would invite the Girl Guides to our studio to talk about what they've learned and what they like best about the experience and maybe sell us some cookies. So we have five Girl Guides with us. Greg, I think do you we have, have their all names? of them. I think we have all the Girl Guides in Winnipeg in our studio right now. We have Olivia, Rosalia, Isla, Isabella, and Trinity. Good morning, ladies. Hi. Wow. Great to have you with us. <laughs> and uh, I guess we uh, should uh, give an extra special thank to Isabella because apparently we're we're a big part of her morning routine. Yeah. Tell us about that, Isabella. You say every time you go into the kitchen? Yeah, I go into the kitchen and say hi to my little wiener dog. And then, <laughs> What's your little wiener dog's name? Chewy. <laughs> Great name for a dog. <laughs> yeah, we love Star Wars. And so when I go into the kitchen, Mackling and McGarry is always on. And I just love you guys so much. Oh, well, my goodness. That's very, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm yeah. flattered. We'll shut down the interview right now. Yeah, that's it. To, thanks for coming down, yeah. ladies. <laughs> uh, before we get on about the Girl Guides, uh, what's your favorite Star Wars? Chewbacca. What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Can you pick one? You're making it impossible. <laughs> <laughs> you can't so pick just true. one. All right. So, Greg, why don't you start us well, off? Well, we've got two leaders here, and uh, we'll talk to them in a minute. But I want to know from Isla. Isla, why did you join the Girl Guides? Uh, just for fun. I I thought about it. Just It's hard to explain because you all have that feeling that a lot of other people are doing some sort of fad or something. So you're just like, uh, I want to do something unique. So I joined Girl Guides for that exact reason. Now, you have your sash on there, and I see yeah. you've got some badges, and you also have some One. pins on there. What do the pins represent? I mean, not specifically, but just in general. And then how do you earn the badges? Is it the same as it was back like, like in Cubs and, and Beavers for Brett and I back in the day? Do you know what beavers and cubs yes, are? Yes, my brothers. Okay, good. I was like, yeah. oh, I just realized maybe I was going the time machine no. there for you. So how do you earn your badges? Um, you just do some activity, activity, eh, activities. Yes. And then you show it to your leader. Right. To get the badges. And then they just order it in London or someplace in the world. Right. <laughs> so. and, and then you sew them on there. Yeah. Well, I hot glue mine. So you hot glue mine. So you don't have the sewing badge yet. No, you, you I would have so. to earn that somehow. Olivia, I'm just looking at your badges, and on your top left. So as I'm looking at a top left, I know that's not what it is. It's it. It would my top left to me, so I guess it's top right or second top right to you. I see ten things there that look like ten bowling pins, but I'm guessing that's not what it is. This one here. Yeah. What is that? A water badge. What is that? Uh, what do you have to do to get a water badge? Learn about water conversation. <laughs> I think we maybe might have to take that one back. Yeah. <laughs> we might have to turn that one in. You have a t lot of badges, though. Congratulations to you. And, I, and I, as uh, as you pulled your badges out, all the other girl yeah. guys here yeah. uh, pulled out their various vests and just wanted to get a look at all the badges. I don't have any. You didn't bring no. yours, Trinity? That's okay. No, Rosalia, like which one are you most proud of? I'm most proud of the, the pet one. Yes? Yeah. How do you earn that one? For bringing in, like, your pet to tell everybody about your pet and, like, what, um, or pictures. or pictures and, like, tell, like, a lot of facts about your pet. What kind of pet? My dog. What kind of dog? Wiener dog. I'm her Another? Sister. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, I'm <laughs> okay, I missed a multitude of wiener dogs. <laughs> I just I'm with so many dash hounds. Okay. Yeah. So, so Brittany, why don't we talk to you a little bit? Brittany's one of the leaders here. Where's and Brittany Burke. Brittany, Brittany Burke. Uh, ladies, what was the first rule? What was the first rule? When someone else is talking, we got to let the other people talk. Brittany. <laughs> 
<laughs> I go into dad mode, right? <laughs> Brittany, tell us a little bit about Girl Guides, but maybe more importantly, with the, the cookies coming out, uh, this is maybe your biggest PR opportunity, right? Because nobody's kicking you away from the door, I imagine. You're being welcomed in and people are buying tons of cookies. But what, what does the money go to? And tell us a little bit about guiding for those that don't really know what it's all about. Yeah, so uh, Girl Guides is just a place for girls to come and try new things, learn leadership skills, um, just get out there in their community and learn how they can be active um, members of their community, I guess. Um, cookies is one of those things. It's kind of multi-use. We um, we get them out door-to-door so they learn a little bit of business skills. Um, selling their cookies, they have to be responsible for their money and the amount of cookies that they sell. Um, yeah, they just uh, they learn a lot through hands-on experience and the money for the cookies. It helps us. Um, certain cookies go towards traveling. Um, there's trips that I know in our district, we're going to Halifax next year. Cool. Um, we've also gone to Churchill. I know other girls have gone to Mexico. Wow. We go out and we do service work in these areas as well when we go out there. Um Another part of the cookie money, it goes towards helping us as a nonprofit run these meetings for these girls to be able to be there every week and have the necessities that we need to plan these crafts and activities for them and make sure that they're getting the best out of our programming. We're joined in studio by five girl guides and a couple of their adult leaders. The Brittany's, Brittany Burke has <laughs> just spoke. Uh, Brittany, one of the questions I wanted to ask you about the cookies on behalf of our producer behind the glass, Jerry, is are the cookies vegan? Do you know if they're vegan? I actually don't know. I know for sure that they are peanut free. Okay. Oh, then the oh, other Brittany is checking the box, box right now. So while she does we'll investigate, <laughs> so while she does that research, I wanted to ask you, Trinity, because we haven't spoken to you yet. What is what would you say you've learned so far from being a girl guide? Um, I learned a lot of things, like how to do stuff. How long have you been a girl guide for? Four years. And has it given you more confidence, maybe, than you had before? Yeah. Why? Because, um. I don't know. <laughs> Lots of friendships in here. Are you guys having fun with one another? Are you all friends with each other? Do you all know yes, each other? I barely yeah. even know these people. <laughs> <laughs> Except for her. I was in a different unit. Oh, a different <laughs> unit. So we've combined the units here is yes. what we've done here. So why don't we take a pause and then we'll uh, let people know how they can get their hands on Girl Guide cookies if something happens. For some reason, someone doesn't knock on your door to try and sell you some. We'll tell you how you can get some elsewhere. Macklin McGarry. <laughs> I just got, all I typed in was our girl. I couldn't even finish the word guide. And the first thing that popped up was our girl guide cookies vegan. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out in a moment. On 680 CJOB. In studio with us right now, we have a whole whack of girl guides, some girl guide adult leaders, and they're going to sell us some cookies. We have Olivia, Rosalia, Isla, Isabella. Trinity, and then the adults are the Britneys, Brittany Burke, and I actually didn't catch your last name. Brittany Stewart. Stewart? Yeah. Hello there, Brittany Stewart. Nice to meet you. I'm Brett. He's Greg. Okay, so Isla, you're going to give me your best sales pitch, okay? Okay. I'm sitting at home, and, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm reading the, reading the paper or whatever, and you're going to knock at the door. Well, that's a lot of knocks. Uh, yeah, hello. Hello. Would you like to buy some delicious... I think factory-made Girl Guide cookies. <laughs> Why, uh, what flavors do you have? Those sound scrumptious. What flavors do you have? Uh, chocolate and vanilla, but they're mixed in a box, so I'm sorry you can't have one in flavors. Okay, so it's just a variety pack? I can't yes. pick my flavors? You can't. You can pick it once you buy it, but... How many, <laughs> once I open the box... I get to pick what flavor. How much are the cookies per box? Uh, five dollars. Five dollars. How I many think. cookies in each box? I have no idea. I don't count them. Okay. Well, I'll count them as I eat them. Uh, do you take cash, credit cards, uh, check? How Only do I pay? Cash. Only cash. And I don't have change. No, cha no change. Well, yes. all I have is a twenty. So I guess I'll take four boxes. I got change. You, no, no, you no, you don't. You don't have change. That's the, the Isla's got it. You don't have change. That's My a conscience. perfect strategy. I just bought four boxes and I couldn't be happier. 
Yeah, there we go. What if some, nom, 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 nom. Good sales pitch, Isla. You're good. You pass. What if somebody says, $5, get out of here. <laughs> That's what Brad That actually say. happened to me. Really? Yes, two times. What did you do? I just like, well, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Isabella? What do you do if somebody says no? Um, I just walk away. Yeah. Because I don't really care. It's their loss if they don't buy cookies anyway, so. <laughs> Can we Too maybe bad say for thank you anyway? Yeah. <laughs> Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad for them. Too bad you missed out anyways. I think that's a great way to look at it. Well, and I, I also would imagine, uh, Brittany Burke, if we just get you to step up, I would also yeah. imagine that uh, that manners and, uh, you know, being some humility is probably a staple of being a, a girl guide. Yes. Of course. Our yeah. girls, when they are out with us anyways, we always make sure that they are dressed in their full uniform so people can see that they are actual girl guides coming to their door. And um, usually that helps a bit um, with the kindness coming towards the girls and they can reciprocate that. They are also, when they're with us, um, very kind, respectful. They always say please and thank you. Um, we always encourage, like, if somebody doesn't want cookies, just thank you anyways. Have a great day. <laughs> So, uh, Trinity, then, as you as we get into the Girl Guide cookie season here, uh, we have learned, by the way, that they're not vegan. There's milk in the cookies, Jerry, so I'm sorry uh, they're not vegan. Um, do you like the chocolate or the vanilla ones better? Um, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, I just like the cookies, except for the... Mint ones. You don't like them? I'm, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. And a hush fell. Isla didn't mention anything about mint. She said something about chocolate and vanilla. I'm sorry. Rosalia, are there mint cookies? Yes, there are. Can you describe these mint cookies for us? They're, are they chocolate covered? Yeah. Mints? Yeah. Can I get another four boxes, please? Those are my favorite kinds. Are they in a separate box or are they mixed in as well? They're, they're all together. They're all together? Okay. We're going to have to have buy multiple boxes and then trade the cookies so I can end up with all the mint Oh, you like cookies. the mint ones? I love the mint cookies. Uh, my friend uh, Laura Schoolis and her daughter is a girl guide in Tacoma or in Seattle, Washington. And I bought an entire case from her three years ago. Oh she sent God. them from, from Seattle, $100 worth. So uh, I think I still have some in my freezer, but it won't permit, v- prevent me from buying any cookies from you guys. Now, what yeah, happens if... Oh, so there's a difference. They're very different. Those ones are peppermint patties, and they're from the Girl Scouts. Oh, yeah, Brittany knows Our all. mint cookies are only available in the fall from, um, what is it, October <sighs> to December. Oh, boy. And our chocolate and vanilla cookies are available from May to June. Okay, so we have 30 oh, seconds sorry, March, here. March to June. Okay, March to June. <laughs> we want to let people know that April 14th and 15th, your group will be out at the Cabela's. It's over by Ikea, April 14th and 15th, and that's to get you to Halifax, right? Yeah, that's uh, fundraising for um, our trip to Halifax. We'll be taking um, some groups of Pathfinders and Girl Guides with us for about 10 days out to Halifax. And, uh, yeah, we'll be there at Cabela's from 6 both days. Well, girls, ladies, it's been a real pleasure to meet all of you. Once again, Olivia, Rosalia, Eileen. Isla. Isla, pardon me. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I was trying to get all the names right and I blew it. Isla, Isabella, and Trinity. See, I mixed up Isla's name and Trinity's name <laughs> into happens. one super name. Uh, and then Brittany Burke and Brittany Stewart from The Girl Guides. Thank you so much for coming. It's a real pleasure to meet all of you today. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. <laughs> and then uh, before we go here, I just want to play one clip to wrap up the conversation. Me want cookie. Um, um, that's all the time we have. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thanks to Behind the Glass, Jerry and Channel Vidal. And thank you for listening to CJOB. Na, 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 na.